It seems like everywhere I look on social media or the news, people are talking about the harmful side effects of Ozempic and these weight loss injectables. Today, I brought on Dr. Tina to talk about the other side of this, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Evolving Wellness Podcast. My name is Sarah, and today I have a very interesting podcast. I know I am risking a lot by talking about this, about these GLP-1s. When these first came out, I first said, no, absolutely not. I was very close-minded. Then I started to question this narrative just a bit of why are so many people is coming down so hard on these? And what I found out is that these are actually peptides and peptides work completely differently in the body than your standard medications. So Dr. Tina has some very interesting information and research that she's been doing on these peptides. And I wanted to do a longer podcast about this. I thought it'd be great to bring her onto the show so we could talk about these things. And before we jump into the show, I want to thank two sponsors. The first one is going to be Viva Rays. As I talked about, light is a crucial, crucial signal for the metabolism. And Viva Rays is my go-to source for protecting my circadian rhythms. You can use code YOGI to save on their circadian glasses, as well as their eye masks and their earplugs. The second sponsor is Upgraded Formulas. Magnesium is something that most of us are deficient in. And I really love the Upgraded Formulas Magnesium because it is a nanoparticle technology so it bypasses the gut if you have gut issues and issues absorbing magnesium this is a fantastic way to get your magnesium use the code yogi12 or yogi if you've used that one before to save over at upgraded formulas and let's go ahead and jump into today's show Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk about a pretty controversial topic, but I think it's time to talk about it. So uh, Dr. Tina, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you being open-minded to talk on this. I know it's been getting a lot of heat lately, so Mm -hmm. you're brave. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I was just saying this before I turn on the camera. Since I had you on the Health Transformation Summit, the summit that Carrie Bennett and I did, Uh, I think some of my people have started following you and and been turned on to a lot of your work. And I've been getting this week a lot of messages from people who are like, are you seeing this stuff she's putting out about Ozempic and and the drugs? Is is it total BS or, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, well we're going to do a podcast about it. We're going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) So so here we are. Yeah. And here's like, here's the thing that got me because when it, I made the mistake when it first came out, when all these drugs were first coming out, a lot of people in the alternative health space started just going off on these drugs and saying, you know, they're dangerous, they're bad. And there's, um, you know, just all this stuff. And I even jumped on that. I did a couple of reels and everyone, everyone's like beating the chest and it's bad and it's horrible and never, ever, ever. But then you actually started putting out some information. I've been following you since 2020. Love everything that you put out. I started following you in 2020 because you were one of the people that were brave enough to speak up about all of the nonsense. And so you started putting it out as like, hey, we're we're constantly being fed nonsense. These drugs are actually peptides and it's not necessarily that they are bad it's that they're being improperly dosed way overdosed they're being done for too long and it is causing major trouble major trouble and so 
Yeah, let's let's just like break all of that down. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Well, I'm getting ready to launch a program around this. So I've been like deep in the literature again. And I'll tell you how I got started with it. Um, I was raised up literally since I got out of college undergrad by my mentor, Dr. Rick Marinelli, who was a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist. And he ran a very busy practice here in Portland, Oregon. And he taught me how to harmonize utilizing pharmaceuticals along with naturopathic medicine to get the best outcomes for patients. And he really drove home for me that you can use drugs safely, some mm. drugs, not all, but and he taught me which ones to stay away from. But he taught me that you can use them safely. And the way that I've always explained it to my patients is, so they come in and say it's like a teeter-totter. They're on a drug. Mm -hmm. They're on like an antidepressant, high blood pressure medication, mm -hmm. whatever, what have you. And then their health overall is kind of in shambles. So as we work on optimizing their wellness and their health through lifestyle, through all the things you know, and anyone who's mm -hmm. listening who knows oh, me yeah. knows, I walk my talk. I lift my weights. I get my daylight. I deal with my circadian rhythm as best as I can living in Oregon. I eat v probably better than 95% of Americans. Uh, and I have been doing this and living this way for decades. I'm not new to this. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, oh, I jumped on the bandwagon because I got on Instagram and learned something like, and no disrespect to those who have more recently come around. But like, I am like, oh, gee, I, I have been preaching this stuff since many of these influencers were in diapers. And <laughs> I... <laughs> have learned through a lot of trial and error on myself and my patients had ran a very busy clinic for a long, long time. Um, sometimes we need a little leg up. And so my goal is always mm -hmm. to get that pharmaceutical dose as low as humanly possible. I'd love to get them off of it, but sometimes they need mm -hmm. a little bit and I'm okay mm -hmm. with that. And sometimes I need a little bit and I don't think I would be alive if it weren't for some pharmaceuticals that are out there. So I am yeah. not a purist. I've never pretended to be a purist. I get a lot of heat on social about it. I'm like, I've never pretended, nor have I not been totally transparent. Like I've used Botox since I was in my thirties. I have used bioidentical hormone replacement for a long time. And I don't always use them for the reasons you would think. Like, I actually have been utilizing, uh, you know, neuromodulators in my forehead for depression because we have data mm. showing that it actually, when you can't scrunch those muscles up and make yourself frown, your mood improves. We have a, a mm. lot of data on this, actually. So I use things at the lowest doses possible, and I use my really impeccable lifestyle to optimize them so I don't have to take high doses. That's the mm. goal. That's how I do medicine. So with that, yeah. I started seeing everyone railing against the Ozempic conversation. And I was like, you know, when a whole, when the mob gets angry and pulls out their pitchforks and their torches, I, I raise an eyebrow like that yes. screams propaganda to me. And that's what happened. Everybody went after it on the negative side. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's hold up here. <laughs> and so our podcast producer Drake was like you got to do an episode about this and I'm like let's just wait a minute but let me get my bearings let me do some research and it took me a while and one of the first things that I looked up was um, because my background's in pain and regenerative medicine mm -hmm. the first thing I looked up was GLP-1 agonists and pain and GLP-1 agonists and neuroinflammation. I wanted to know if there was an impact there because I personally suffer with some pretty severe autoimmune conditions that drive me into a really horrific pain state. And so, and I have for decades and I've done everything. I have access to stuff, Sarah, that like you cannot get a hold of. <laughs> and I can put it in my veins. I can do whatever I want with it on myself. And I have access to the best doctors in the world. I, my house, probably much like yours, is like a biohacking, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. 
<laughs> it's I've got five different types of saunas. I've got a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. I ran a big clinic and you know, which I shut down prior to COVID just right before, thank God. But I so I have all this stuff. I have a full gym, I have a full Pilates studio, like I have everything and I have a ton of education. And I just could not get out of this pain cycle that I was in that is due to psoriatic arthritis and it had been really ramped up as I was trying to take on, you know, as I was battling that narrative of of 2020 and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It really, stress really took its toll on me. And I'm, you know, I just turned 50. So I was walking into this sort of like middle-aged time of my life and I was getting hammered by the stress. My, as you know, when your platform grows really fast, it can be really stressful. Mm -hmm. I was juggling too many things. I had too many, you know, plates spinning in the air and I was going down and there was no amount of bioidentical hormone replacement or red light or I mean really if I could live in Hawaii and just hang out in the sun all day I'd probably be fine (laughs) but I don't have that life so yeah uh, not yet anyway (laughs) that's that's what I started looking up and researching around GLP-1s and I kid you not within like 15 minutes I was sitting there with my phone in my face and I was like oh my fucking God. Like I looked at my husband and I was like, babe, this is going to blow your mind. And I started rattling it off. Like in my, I get kind of a little, you know, nerdy, excited sometimes about data. (laughs) I started just rambling and he's looking at me like this. And I'm, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Ozempic. These are those drugs everyone's railing on. Listen to what they do. And I started telling him. And then of course I was like GLP ones and asthma, GLP ones and PCOS, Mm -hmm. GLP ones and pain, GLP ones and joints, GLP ones and bones. And then I started researching the muscle loss piece. Turns out that's a bunch of BS. It actually induces muscle protein synthesis. It actually helps you regenerate your bones. It helps you regenerate your heart tissue. It helps you regenerate your neurons. It helps you regenerate pancreas. It can reverse type one diabetes early on after, like if you can get diagnosed early before your pancreas Mm. poops out. It has all these, it decreases neuroinflammation. It binds to our immune cells and actually modulates our immune system. And so it works on this amazing anti-inflammatory way. It helps support the autoimmune state. It, here's a good one. And maybe one of the many reasons I think it's being railed against, 14% decrease in upper respiratory infections. Really? For users of GL, yes. Because it binds our mast cells. It binds our macrophages. Yes, uh, it has some anti-cancer properties, has some pretty impactful, amazing properties that are completely independent of weight loss, completely outside of weight loss, and it mm. heals and mends the broken metabolic state. It does not just act as a Band-Aid. It actually goes in and induces a healing impact on the broken metabolic state. And so I started producing content around it, and here we are. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. how it all came out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess to back up a little bit, what people I don't think understand that I kind of mentioned earlier is that they're not like weight loss drugs. They're not right. necessarily, they're they're peptides. So maybe yes. we can just explain a little bit about like how a peptide would act differently than just like a standard uh, standard medication. Yes, good question. So drugs usually go in and their mechanism of action is to somehow disrupt a cycle in the body. So for example, uh, an antibiotic- Suppress, really? Well, suppress or disrupt. It'll disrupt a metabolic biochemical function in the body so that it doesn't Mm -hmm. go to fruition. So it'll like 
be a blockade in a, you know, in a long chain of events. And so that's usually how the mechanisms of drugs work. So a beta Mm -hmm. blocker, for instance, common uh, high blood pressure medication will actually cause the heart to not beat so with so much oomph, right? It'll, Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll decrease the oomph of the heartbeat. And so what happens, the person gets lower blood pressure because the pressure is not as high because the heart is not contracting as hard but they also get a lot of fatigue and malaise because they're not getting oxygenated um certain antibiotics will go in and disrupt the bacteria's cell wall other antibiotics will go in and disrupt the bacteria's nucleus and not allow replication sometimes it'll disrupt somewhere in the endoplasmic reticulum and it won't let it make proteins so like it the these drugs usually go in not these drugs but drugs in general will have a mechanism like that uh ssris will go in and cause serotonin to stay in the synapse longer Mm. it'll hold it from getting absorbed so fast Uh, so that's usually how these things work glp1 is actually a peptide that is naturally occurring in our bodies and it is made by the l cells of the gut which are all along the gut and some literature i've read say they're present in the distal uh small you know in the distal gut some will say it's in the more proximal so it kind of depends but when we eat a bolus of food it's not even as much of a chemical reaction as it is the actual bolus of food will set off the l cells to secrete glp1 and glp1 Mm -hmm. does a lot of things in the body like i just mentioned it binds all over our body independent of weight loss but it also slows down peristalsis or gastric motility so you feel fuller longer and Mm -hmm. it it supposedly crosses the blood brain barrier and has an impact on the brain for appetite suppression in the appetite centers of the brain. But through the literature I found there's actually cells in the brain that make GLP-1. So it's not just, there's a lot of misinformation out there about this. People say, oh, well, it's being made in the gut and it's going into the brain. No, it's actually being made into the brain. So that tells me it has a lot more to do with your health overall than Mm -hmm. just decreasing appetite and slowing down gastric motility, which is what everybody says. Oh, that's all it does. That is not Mm -hmm. all it does. And the other thing is peptides are just how this is different than a drug to answer that question. Peptides are strings of amino acids that are bound Mm -hmm. together by peptide bonds. And big peptides or bigger chains of peptides are proteins. And our whole body is made out of proteins. So if you look at all of our tissues, proteins, break it down to a more simplistic form, peptides, break that down to a more simplistic form, amino acids. That's what we're made of. Uh, Peptides like GLP-1 have a very short half-life in the body. So they get secreted or made and they get used up very quickly. They don't hold in the system very long. These peptides that are being distributed through brand names like Ozempic, Wegovi, Monjoro by the big Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical, some, some of the big pharmaceutical companies, and then also compounding pharmacies they just have one tweak to one of the amino acids or to one part of the chain really to keep them in the body longer so they just have a much longer half-life so they stay in your system longer but they literally are acting exactly the same way as your intrinsic endogenous production of glp1s got it so medication is not something that you would find in the body naturally (laughs) a peptide is something more that you would naturally find in the body other than what is it bpc157 is one that you can't make endogenously is that correct some of the peptides that are out there that the fda has pulled most of them now uh Mm -hmm. unfortunately but some of those are not the naturally occurring form but Mm -hmm. nonetheless they're still simplistic 
peptides. And that's what people don't understand. This is not a petroleum. I know this. a lot of people have recently woken up to what a scam the allopathic system is. Medicine. And, yeah. yeah. Like, I've been on that kick for decades, you know, and I'm like, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I know, I'm glad right? you're waking up now. But not every drug out there is a petroleum-based drug. I mean, there's just so much misinformation that both sides mm -hmm. have jumped on. Uh, mm -hmm. Take desiccated thyroid, for instance. That's made yeah. from por pig gla thyroid oh, gland, yeah. and it's just standardized yeah. and put in little tablets, and it just happens to be a pharmaceutical bioidentical mm -hmm. hormone replacement. The The bioidentical hormones that I have compounded from compounding pharmacies, those are prescriptions. So just because it's a prescription doesn't mean it's like some evil supervillain that's being made by big pharma. You know, the thyroid right. I like to use is made by a little tiny company in the Midwest, mm -hmm. you know, like... It, this is this whole thing has gotten way out of hand. And the other part yeah. I'll add, which is so important to understand, what do we do when somebody has a progesterone or a hormonal or a thyroid or an adrenal hormone deficiency? We supplement the hormone. And mm -hmm. I know not everyone agrees with that, but I wholeheartedly do. And I have treated thousands of patients that if with otherwise would have been miserable, not having enough thyroid on board when you're hypothyroid is, he mm -hmm. is hell. And it puts mm -hmm. you at a significant increased risk for death. So I am a big proponent of supplementing hormones as needed. A lot of folks are GLP-1 deficient. And we have mm -hmm. substantial data showing that obese folks, type 2 diabetics, and those with fatty liver, who all are basically sitting in a metabolic dysfunction state, which is what my whole platform is about, right? Like the metabolically busted, which mm -hmm. is honestly about i mean 2018 data showed that 94 percent of u.s yeah. adults were metabolically busted so yeah that's more than that 88 percent that people yeah. talk about all the time i'm like actually it's more than, and i i had been saying 93 percent. i didn't hear the 94 it's 94 <laughs> and that was 2018 data so imagine what wow, it's like post 2020 right post lockdown so than, oh yeah so we've got this group of people over here that are all probably dealing with some level of GLP-1 deficiency. And we've got this whole other group of people, the, the mob, the angry mob is like, we don't have an ozempic deficiency. I'm like, oh, contraire. Actually, we do. There's a lot of people <laughs> dealing with GLP-1 deficiency. Deficiency. And the, the cells that bind GLP-1 are so prevalent throughout the entire body that I think it's a lot more important than what we understand it to be. And I have got mm -hmm. literally piles of data showing its efficacy in all different organ systems of the body, like I mentioned. So I'm like, why are we not supplementing people's D GLP-1 deficiency, just like we supplement mm -hmm. their thyroid deficiency? That's my big argument. And I think we need yeah. tiny little doses. And... Yes. As long as people are doing all the things and doing everything right for an insulin sensitive lifestyle uh, and a metabolically healthy lifestyle, tiny little doses are having, I, I am seeing like mind blowing effects. And I'll tell you, I've been in medicine for over 30 years, whether I was, I mean, shit, my whole life I've been, I mean, I was a really sick kid, but I have been studying medicine or been in a clinical, working in a clinical setting for over 30 years. And I can tell you, I've never seen anything like this for the cost. When you get them compounded for the small dosage that I'm talking about, which I can't really go into detail about publicly, like how Dosing, I dose, because yeah. that's more of a clinical discussion. But um, I am seeing profound changes in the patients that I'm using it on. And I've never seen anything like this ever. And it's 
affordable. It's, I have no side effects in any of the patients I'm using it on. And all of this hub lab we're hearing about is truly, like you said, it's these folks are being overdosed. And we can talk yeah. about that if you want, because that's yeah. really the problem that I think we're that's having. what that we need to talk about that because that's their, you know, my mom, everybody is like, oh, Ozempic, oh, Bogovi, evil, evil, evil. And I'm like, well, can we just maybe talk about the fact that these doctors are not, you know, talk about the control that the pharmaceutical companies have over the doctors. They're the ones telling the doctors how to do the dosing and it's harming the patients. This happens with medication every day of the week. Cause you mentioned before we even started talking about these peptides that medication is not all bad and there is a time and place for it and i've experienced that you know my daughter is having these life-threatening seizures and while we try to figure out the root cause we need some seizure medication unfortunately i hate it it's not not ideal but it's something that we are utilizing right now while we're working on more root cause and hopefully we'll be able to come down one day but like People are so quick quick to jump on this bandwagon of like all or nothing and all medication is bad. But there are times when antibiotics can save lives. There are times, you know, and it's, <laughs> we have Thank to God. be able to Thank have- Thank God for antibiotics at times. Yes. Or I wouldn't be here. Thank God for right. some antidepressants. I, I wouldn't yes. be here. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I, I carry prednisone on me at all times because I have such brittle adrenal glands from so mm. many decades of chronic stress that sometimes my whole system shuts down and I have to do a little tiny microdose of prednisone sublingual just to not have like go into cardiovascular shock. I'm not kidding. Oh like I'm not exaggerating. It's we all have different stories. We all have different lives. Yes. Your daughter may need some kind of medication for the rest of her life. And that's fine. Right? Like, who, right. it's no one's business. It's no one's right. business. It's right. nothing anyone needs to apologize for. Uh, my husband needs the tiniest little dose of high blood pressure meds every so often. He, it was something he was on all the time at a higher dose. I got him totally, totally optimized. So now there's just certain times. It might be seasonal. It might have something to do mm -hmm. with the fact that we get no sunlight here for nine months out of the year. Yeah. It might be stress levels. Who knows? But there's times when I'm like, babe, I want you to take this for a couple of weeks until we get things dialed in, right? Um, yeah. Everybody in my family's on some level of hormones. My mom, bless her, my mom's made it to like, God, I think she just turned 80. Did she? No, she just turned 75 on earlier this month. And she has held out on being on any kind of medications until finally mm -hmm. she takes the lowest tiniest dose of high blood pressure meds because we don't want her mm -hmm. to blow a gasket and you know what that's fine and it's yeah. no one's business but here's the thing um like i mentioned with low dose i've been i've been utilizing microdosing all kinds of medications in my professional career with patients and i have had like profound benefits from for example low dose Prozac, which is a known SSRI and people hate it. Well, yeah, high doses, it sucks. And it makes people, I mean, it might save a life for sure, but like staying at high doses for long-term is really you not, don't wanna do people that. don't feel yeah. good. You know, it ruins your yeah. libido. It yeah. ruins a lot of things. Microdoses of Prozac at, and I'm talking tiny, tiny, you know, fractions of the going dose has really impactful uh, results on the HPA axis. It works as an anti-inflammatory in the brain. Like it helps regenerate neurons when you've had a traumatic head injury. It's one of the first things I put people on when they've had like a concussion or a stroke. I like bomb them with 
Prozac because it actually regenerates neurons. It's been shown in the data since 2020, that whole class of drugs actually has been shown to be efficacious against the, you know, going virus that everybody's so scared Mm. of. So there's different mechanisms that these drugs have that we don't understand and we don't know. And so I'm a big fan of using things at tiny little microscopic doses to see what I can achieve or just fractions of going doses to see what I can achieve because there's different mechanisms at play that can be really profoundly helpful for people. And so this is where I'm like, it's apples to oranges, what I'm talking about compared to how doctors mm-hmm. are doing it with this yes. pe- these, this class of peptides. And here's the thing. We have to stop vilifying the doctors because doctors are hell. MDs, right. I'm an ND, I'm a naturopathic doctor. I, a, a licensed one, not a fake one like we see so many on the internet. I am held to best practices. That's the standard that I have to uphold is best practices. MDs are held to the standard of care. The standard of care is based on what they determine the standard of care. So if they diagnose you with diabetes, they have to put you on metformin. If they diagnose Mm -hmm. you with, with high blood pressure, they have to put you on a high blood pressure medication. If they do not, they risk their license. And it's varied from state to state. Like prescribing desiccated thyroid, I have probably written thousands of prescriptions safely in the state of Oregon. MDs in Oregon, medical doctors in Oregon, if they prescribe desiccated thyroid, one doctor I know of lost his license over it. Wow. Um, The, you know, ivermectin conversation, that same thing. NDs in Oregon can prescribe ivermectin. MDs during this last few years were not really, it was not favored in Oregon. So it's different from state to state. And it really bums me out when people are like, well, medical doctors are so awful and they want to just trash on them and I'm like yo they have handcuffs on them right they They didn't get into being a doctor because they want to be assholes and they want to hurt people I think they got into (laughs) being doctors because they wanted to help people and it was hard work to go through medical school and they you know it was not easy to become a doctor so yeah I I've been burned from a lot of doctors and been very frustrated but it is the system it is not the actual doctor it's our system sucks it just our system sucks it's and the it's drug Goliath. companies control the doctors, the insurance companies and the drug companies are basically, like you said, and these medical boards are all kind of in bed together and they're controlling our medical system. And it's not to the benefit of the patient or the doctor. No one's exactly. winning, you know? And it's it's Goliath and everybody wants me to take it on personally or someone else. And I'm like, yo, I've spent my whole life trying to take <laughs> it on. It's, I, I give up. I'm going to just stay back here. It's one of the many reasons I got out of practice because I'm like, I'm just not do- playing in this world, this world anymore. Mm-hmm. I never even took insurance. That's a whole other conversation. We could do an oh, entire yeah. podcast on that. But <clears throat> the point being is, so standard of care is set. And guess what standard of care is set on? It's set on studies. And these studies, I believe, or- just happen to... Well, when you've got someone, let's just back up a second. When you've got someone who's got a little bit of metabolic dysfunction or a glimmer of insulin resistance, that's one thing. There's a whole spectrum here. By the time they mm-hmm. get to type 2 diabetes diagnosis, they've been rocking metabolic for dysfunction years. for like 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to type 2 diabetes, they are a metabolic disaster. And it is handled so casually and flippant in the U.S. They're like, oh, you have type 2 diabetes. Here's some metformin. Good luck. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, they are their metabolic system is crippled at that point mm-hmm. and getting them back mm-hmm. from that depends on the variety of type two, but getting them back from that is no easy feat. And that is something I have done countless times with patients. 
Yes, diet and exercise goes a long way. And yes, they're not negotiable. Like we're not talking either or here. I'm talking about utilizing a comprehensive toolkit to get the patient the best outcomes in the quickest manner possible because I want to get that insulin handled like that. I don't want mm-hmm. to wait 10 years or another five years while they're trying to manage their weight, manage their, that's a whole other conversation. The other part is weight loss is not the hardest part. Sustaining the weight loss is mm-hmm. you are an anomaly. Like keeping Mm -hmm. weight off, 80 to 90% failure rate for most people. So Mm -hmm. keeping the weight off is a whole other, that's a whole other topic. I did a whole podcast on it recently. Anyway, point being, these MDs are held to standard of care and the brand names come in predetermined, pre-dosed pens. So they're dispensing Mm. pens and these pens, you whack it on your thigh, you know, you whack it on your belly, Mm -hmm. and it gives you a shot of the medication, you can't control the dosage, the Mm -mm. pen is already loaded to the dose. And the starting dose of these peptides is five to 10 times higher than I usually start people. Wow. So they're already starting overdose. And here's the best part. (laughs) You know, the whole like, oh, there's a you know, there's a shortage and you're using it up when the obese and diabetic people need it. Well, my argument is we should actually be helping people when the first 10 to 15 pounds comes on. When that middle-aged woman says, I gained 10, 15 pounds out of nowhere, I changed nothing. And we have so much data supporting that it has nothing to do with calories in or calories out. Um, Something's wrong, right? That to me is a glimmer of insulin resistance raising its head. And that naturally to- happens in your 40s as you hit perimenopause, menopause, because estrogen goes down. There's like a, you become more insulin resistant as yep. you hit your 40s and you're in perimenopause. It's just a natural part of things. And you have to be strategic as hell. Yes, <laughs> you, I'm on it. Like, <laughs> you have to. I mean, I'm almost 45 and I'm like, yeah, I'm on it because I know this is not going to get any easier as I continue to get older and head more towards menopause. Like this is something I got to stay on. And yeah. most women don't think about that. Our society isn't set up to educate people about that at all. And people are like, oh, you just get fat and, you know, gain weight and feel crappy as you get older. I'm like, well, uh. <laughs> yeah, just accept it. And then there's all these people online that are like, your body's supposed to change. And I'm like, not actually, because if you're gaining three to five pounds a year consistently, what are you going to look like when you're 60 or 70? And you're going to get more insulin resistant. You will eventually die. If you don't have enough muscle as you age, you will eventually mm-hmm. end up diabetic. Like I cannot tell you how many patients I watched age and they were my mentors patients and then they became my patients. Mm-hmm. And I watched them age into their 80s and beyond. And they all ended up diabetic. You you just wow. it just happens you just end up carbohydrate intolerant and the inf- it's called inflammaging and the process mm-hmm. of inflammation as you age happens to put you into this insulin resistant state no matter your best efforts and so it happens to a lot of us in middle age you know i at 45 i was like the best body composition i've ever been and then between 45 and 50 and i i will say it was the stress of the you know the covid years and battling goliath that mm-hmm. stress finally cortisol finally destroyed my metabolism a bit and mm. so let me back up though the pen uh the dispensing pen oh, yeah. so these pens well, there's no shortage of semaglutide you guys semaglutide is uh monjoro i'm sorry that's terzepatide it's uh wegovi it's ozempic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Semaglutide can be compounded for pretty darn cheap and 
it's also readily available by the pharmaceutical companies. What the shortage was in was in the dispensing pens, pens. and it was the yep. initial dose. It was the 0.25 milligram, which again, I think is way too high to start people on. Most people, some people can tolerate it. A lot of people get very, I would be so sick if I took that dose. Mm -hmm. um, that dispensing pen for some reason, now how do they, how is that, Sarah? Like how is it that they can make all the other dispensing pen doses, but they can't make the 0.25? Like what is going on there? I don't know. Uh, but that's the shortage, was the dispensing pen. There was no shortage of semaglutide. And people arguing that it should be reserved for the di the severe diabetics and the severely obese. And I'm like, do we wait until people have a heart attack before right. we offer them high blood pressure meds? Like, right. That makes no sense to me. So the pens themselves start too high. My dad went in to his doctor, finally convinced his doctor to put him on Ozempic. And the doctor was like, okay, great. Here's your 0.5. That's what they're starting people on because they are they don't have the 0.25 in available anymore so now everyone's getting started on 0.5 can you imagine i told my daughter and my daughter who's also using this peptide and has had all of her cystic acne clear up her pcos has reversed her depression is gone and this wow girl you know sarah i've shared with you my daughter's story i mean she has suffered from deep deep depression since she was 14 like heavy deep depression mm. gone She's managing her life successfully. She's finally uh, engaging in a more social life that she's never really been big on. And it's all because she's on this tiny little dose of semaglutide. I kid you not, it's remarkable. And she's lost the weight she put on from COVID, but she's also still quite curvy. She's a curvy girl and she's got a beautiful figure. She's, we're built very differently. She's tall and has boobs and hips and a tiny waist. And she's just rocking her beautiful tall body. And she's like, I don't wanna lose any more weight. Like she doesn't wanna be a skinny mini, you know? She really, mm -hmm. I'm built like, I'm just a skinny girl. I've always been that way. She, you, people kind of, when you do it right, uh, people find their set weight and they stay there. And it's, it's really mm -hmm. remarkable. So. She, I was telling her about how they tried to put Papa on the 0.5 and she got so mad. She's like, that would kill him. And I'm like, exactly. That she understands that would be a devastatingly high dose for someone, especially his age. He's, my dad is severely, severely obese and he's got mm -hmm. severe diabetes and, um, I've got him on a microdose and he is slowly but surely dropping weight and he's had severe traumatic brain injuries, like brain bleeds. Mm. He's, he's articulate again. He's making jokes again. He's participating with us again, instead of just being blanked out all the time. Um, mm. He's gaining control over his appetite. He's finally hopeful for the first time in a really, really long time. He's like talking about when spring comes, how he's going to start walking more and he's excited to lose weight. And I gave him a, a like a, really nice flannel for Christmas and a vest and he they didn't fit him they were too small and he said you know what I'm gonna fit into him by spring and I was like Aww. wow I mean this is the guy that was like wishing that death would just come for him because he was so tired of being in so much pain and so obese and he's in he has psoriatic arthritis too and he's in so much pain my mom mm -hmm. has Crohn's which has given her crippling arthritis her entire life this is why I will fight for this peptide and I will die on this sword because my mom watching my mom go through life in the most horrendous pain and never complaining she never complains and having terrible gastrointestinal symptoms and terrible joint pain and she's on the tiniest little droplet dose and all of her joint mm -hmm. pain is gone and her gut has wow. significantly improved because it shifts your microbiome to a more favorable microbiome. It has, it heals the gut lining. It has such profound impacts on all areas of the body. And she's lost a few pounds and she's, again, she's very happy with her weight where she's at. She's not a thin, tiny, thin woman, uh, but she's 
she's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm 75. I don't need to lose any more weight. I just need to be mobile and not hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, these are just some examples that I'm able to share with you because I've gotten permission from these people to share these stories, but like, it's mind blowing what I'm seeing. And to think that everybody just wants to hate on it with such venom and vitriol is like, I don't get it. I, I think they're choosing intentional ignorance or they're, I mean, here's the real conversation. Is this like severe fatophobia that we're seeing? Like what's... It is. There's a lot of that though. I mean, there's, it's really unfortunate because you know what it's doing? A, a good friend of mine and I, we're, we keep on talking about having a group and calling it like big, beautiful quantum. And you have to be like at least a hundred pounds overweight to join our group because we just want to help like very, very overweight people. And we want them to have a group where they feel comfortable. They're not going to feel ridiculed. What's happening with all these people with this fat shaming and this, it's like, you're not helping anyone. You're just making yourself look like a jerk. Like you, you're literally not helping anyone because I have people in my family who are morbidly obese that I love dearly, but they won't even look and I don't want them to. I don't want anybody in my real life listening to my podcast, looking at my <laughs> social media. Like if you're in my real life, I don't, <laughs> I, I just like, I get don't, it. don't watch it. You know, just like, I don't want you to watch it. But, um, they are very like closed off to maybe even listening to a conversation like this, right? Really? Because, yeah, because because of Why? this, like, because of like all the fat shaming and like, uh, the, you know, it's just, ugh, it's it's very a polarizing thing, and there's a lot of like this fat positivity and body acceptance movement, and my family members and friends that are in that they're all about like body positivity and I don't want to change my body. And I'm like, we have to quit like swinging in these like complete polar opposites. It's helping nobody, you know? Um, and that's what drives me crazy about these people like dogging out on these drugs. It's like, this is a misinformed conversation that you're having. And then, like I said, you've got all the people in the comments beating their chests and like, like what if, it, there was more than met the eye with this whole conversation. And like you said, it's these things are being way overdosed, which is causing massive issues. And the other issue I'm seeing a lot, maybe we can touch on. So number one, the overdose, like the doses are way too high, way too which high. is negatively impacting people. Um, people are not being given a lifestyle program to go along right. with it. And they're not eating a healthy diet. They're not eating enough protein. And they're not, yeah. number one, they're not eating enough protein. That's huge. Uh, bioavailable protein, not protein bars and protein shakes and all that junk. You're not eating enough bioavailable protein. And you're not weight training, right? And so massive amounts of muf muscle loss and they're eating a crappy diet that's nutrient poor. And so, yeah, you're going to get nutrient deficiencies. You're going to have muscle loss. You're going to get the quote unquote ozempic face. Like, <laughs> because. Yeah. Let's talk about some of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of misinformation and it's really, um, I've been super bummed to see people that I respect immensely potentiate that misinformation online. Me too. It's, it's really bumming me out because I'm like, I know you're smarter than this and I know you know how to read studies. So anywho, uh, first off, the muscle loss. So any low calorie diet done too quickly will induce about a 25 to 30% lean mass loss. That is standard. Mm -hmm. We've known this for decades. You put any animal or any mammal or human who is, you know, we are mammals also with opposable thumbs. We're just fancy mammals. You put them on a calorically restricted diet and they will lose 25 to 30% of their lean muscle mass if they don't 
prioritize strength training and protein. So that is a misnomer. And I'm so disappointed in so many of these folks for potentiating it. These semaglutide or terzepatide or GLP-1 agonists, like let's back up one second quickly. These have been around for 20 years. They've been used for 20 years, just yeah. a different version. There's there's like at least half a dozen that are still being used of this GLP-1 agonist class of peptides. So let's there's that. Uh, used safely until suddenly all of a sudden we hear all of this propagandized you know, information coming out of mainstream media and everyone's parroting it. I'm like, what was happening the past, like, 19 years? <laughs> Why weren't we hearing about it then? So I'll leave it at that. Um, they induce muscle protein synthesis. They actually heal muscles. Muscles can become really, really diseased from severe long-term insulin resistance and uh, hyper glycemia, which is high blood sugar. So mm -hmm. muscles really are the most critical part of your metabolism and your muscle health. And so these folks are, yeah, we can blame the doctor, we can blame the dose. And I, I always like, let's go back to high blood pressure meds. If some doctor put your mom on a massive dose of high blood pressure meds, and she was on the floor dying from it, and her heart was so slow that she was about to die, would you blame the medication? Or would you blame the dose? Like right. that's, that's my argument with these peptides. Like why are, why is this even confusing <laughs> at all? I don't get it. But anyway, uh, but they have to stick to the standard of care and that's what the data says is to use these doses. So that's what we're seeing. Anyway, um, muscle loss, not real. It's not real. They are just not prioritizing strength training and they're not prioritizing their protein. And we can blame the doctors if we want, but I will tell you as a physician of, you know, I've been in medicine, like I said, 30 years, most patients are not compliant and getting people no. to lift weights is like pulling teeth. It's literally yeah. like pulling teeth. It's, I have had such an abysmal success with getting my patients to strength train. I can't even tell you. So it's one, another reason I left practice because to me, that's a non-negotiable. And if people won't do it, I'm like, okay, then I'm going to discontinue your prescription of whatever it is you're on. And then people get mad and it's a whole hublub. So patients are non-compliant. Doctors are not really emphasizing it. I don't think to be honest with you, I've talked to a lot of compounding pharmacists who dispense semaglutide and terzepatide and their conclusion, I've asked them all the same thing. I'm like, do doctors even know what's going on? And they're like, doctors don't have a clue how to handle metabolic dysfunction. Most doctors mm -hmm. have no idea. And in fact, my profession came for me way back when, multiple times they've come for me, but I remember them coming for me because they're like, why are you running serum insulins on patients when they're not diabetic? And I'm like, why are you not? And here we are 20 years later, and everybody is metabolically dysfunctional. So mm -hmm. there's that. The thyroid cancer, let's address that. The black box warning, it's interesting. There's a black box warning for thyroid cancer on this product, and they've only ever found thyroid cancer. It's a very rare form of thyroid cancer, and it was found in rats that were on like super physiologic doses, like over 100 times the going dose for an adult human. So these rats were dosed on massive doses of semaglutide and terzepatide, and then they got this really rare thyroid cancer. Mm. So that's a black box warning on the drug. It's super interesting because the, you know, the intervention that was mandated across the nation uh, and the world doesn't have any black box warning, and we have strong mm. data showing that's concerning, but isn't that interesting? So they've got that. Uh, the studies on thyroid cancer, there's been some bad studies written. They were correlative at best. They basically looked at like, so we have all these patients that have diabetes and obesity, type two diabetes and obesity. These are the ones that were on semaglutide. These were the ones that weren't. Um, and we're gonna look at their chart notes for 
over a period of time and we're seeing a little bit more in this group of thyroid cancer. So it, it must cause thyroid cancer. That's literally the data <laughs> that they have. It's correlative at best. Also, guess who gets, guess who's more prone to thyroid cancer, gastroparesis, pancreatitis, gallstones? Guess who is more prone to that? Those who struggle with obesity and type 2 diabetes. In fact, the state of being type 2 diabetic destroys your vagal nerve. It sugars it to death. It literally destroys it by sugaring it to death. And the connection wow. between the brain and the gut gets destroyed. Quite literally, the nerve gets destroyed from the hyperglycemic mm. state. And these folks already have gastroparesis. A lot of times it's so low grade that it's just presenting as dyspepsia. So they're given like some, you know, Pepsid AC and they're mm -hmm. told to mm -hmm. watch their fats. That's actually gastroparesis happening in real time. So imagine you take somebody who's already in a very brittle metabolic state, a very brittle digestive state, uh, their organ systems are already v severely compromised, and then you slam them with a massive dose of GLP-1s. What the heck do they think is going to happen, right? Things right. are going to shut down. And no, gastroparesis is rarely, rarely permanent. But yes, I could see if you slam somebody who's already in that compromised state with a massive dose, like these starting doses are, you're, you could potentially shut down digestion for a hot minute and it sucks and mm -hmm. it happens and it's happened to people I know. So it's shoot. And plus these peptides I found clinically, they build up over time. So several weeks in, you'll have this sort of transient buildup. So it's around month two and a half to three that I think you really can get into the overdosing problems. I'll just mm. say that. So for the those listening who are interested in using these, be careful because that's right about the time when I realized like, I think this dose is too high for me. And I did get a mm. little gastroparesis. Uh, I was mm. in Vegas. I was eating too much food. I was eating fatty foods. I was eating foods mm. I don't normally, I, I normally eat a lot of saturated, like, you know, ruminant fat. Animal fats, yeah. But I was eating like French fries and stuff I don't normally eat. And Seed oils. Just, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my stomach, if I hadn't, known what I knew, I would have been really concerned one night. I had one night where mm. I was like, I could see why people get concerned about this. And I had was accident like throwing up or just my guts just weren't moving. And I was really uh, uncomfortable. And there was a lot of okay. like burping and, you know, stomach cramping. And I could see why people mm. get scared. I actually had pulled up a little tiny bit because I'm doing such a tiny dose, Sarah, I pulled up a little mm -hmm. tiny bit too much in the syringe before I left mm. for Vegas, because I was in a hurry. And uh, I think I just gave myself a little too much, which would have been fine if I'd been eating light, but I wasn't eating light. And I was eating mm. all kinds of stuff I don't normally eat. So that's mm -hmm. a concern. Um, the gastroparesis is rarely permanent, but I could see if you had, you know, long-term type two diabetes and you had sugared your vagal nerve connection to death and you had lost good nervous input to the gut, I could see how mm -hmm. maybe you might have some longer term conditions. Um, the pancreatitis, uh, again, absolutely correlative, no causative studies showing anything. And one of the biggest studies that just came out actually showed that the control group had more pancreatitis than the treated group. And pancreatitis is not uncommon when you are struggling with obesity and type 2 diabetes. It's also not uncommon. It's something I learned in school. When you lose a lot of weight fast, you mm. piss off your pancreas. Ah, okay. You piss off your pancreas, you piss off your gallbladder, and you piss off your stomach because they're all like BFFs. They're all right there together. You know, they all talk mm -hmm. to each other and all their little ducks are coalesced really. So what happens is gallbladders well, let's talk about the gallbladder uh, phenotype. It's basically, and I please, no one take offense. This is literally how we learned it in school, and this is not to be offensive, but it's female, fat, 40, frumpy. Oh, yeah, I've heard this before. 
This is the gallbladder woman, right? It's your it's your female who's kind of, you know, got a curvy figure and she's kind of in her middle age years. The estrogen's mm-hmm. waning. Digestion might not be as strong. This men too. I've seen men fit this phenotype as well mm-hmm. and they also get gallstones. So what happens when you're kind of sitting there already, you would think like that's probably a person that they might put on Ozempic, right? That, that's somebody mm-hmm. who might want to try these for weight loss. And then when you go on a severe calorically restricted diet, when you stop eating, you know this, when you stop eating so much, your peristalsis slows down because mm-hmm. the gut is not being yeah. asked to work. So everything mm-hmm. slows down. The gallbladder is already sludgy in these folks. And then it gets real sludgy. And so now you've got real sludgy gall bladder material bile, and it'll throw a stone. And guess where it Mm -hmm. throws the stone right into the pancreas. Now you got pancreatitis. And I will say that often I, I would guess these people are not as used to you've got to have the dietary changes in there, right? Like we talked about and it's a lot for folks to do all at once. And so mm-hmm. they're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm injecting this stuff. I've lost my appetite. I don't want to eat anything. Uh, I'm going to eat something that I'm used to eating that I like. I'm going to go pound some Chick-fil-A or something or some French. I'm not saying I was going like to say Chick-fil-A. You just read my mind. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> they Well, they'll pound something they're used to, but that right. food might be really an insult to that gut that's yes. slowed down because it's been given too yes. high a dose. Yeah. So now you've got all these other problems. Um, the kidney issues. So we've covered thyroid cancer. We've covered the pancreatitis. We've covered the gallbladder. Uh, the kidney is or that we've covered the gastroparesis. Mm-hmm. The kidney issues. That was because some folks took too high a dose and they got severe mm-hmm. nausea and vomiting and they puked for so long that they got some kidney dysfunction. Oof. That was it. That's Yikes. what happened. The GLP-1 does not injure any of these organs. In fact, it regenerates all of these organs. Mm. The kidney study that just went down, they just stopped it early because they were giving folks with kidney failure GLP-1 agonists, and the results were so profound that they had to stop the study so that they could involve the control group because withholding it from the control group was unethical. That's how impactful. It was literally healing kidney disease. It heals kidney disease. It heals thyroids. It heals all kinds of tissues. But yet, if you take a ton of it and you puke your guts out to the point of like severe dehydration, you're going to get some kidney injury. Yeah. 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 So this is what you're hearing, you know, front page news. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like that woman who died in Australia, she... (laughs) This is her story. I looked it up. She was overweight. She was trying to get slim for her daughter's wedding. She was middle-aged. She fit the phenotype of the gallbladder mm-hmm. lady. The gallbladder, yeah. She had one prescribed to her. She got another one online, and she was double double dipping Oh my the GL.1 agonist, and she she ended up dead. Like, But th- we don't hear about that part. No. We just hear that she was on a GLP. She was on Ozempic, and she died. That's all you hear about because there's a narrative that's being pushed. I hope you're enjoying today's show with Dr. Tina. I had actually decided that I was going to do this in two parts, but at the last minute decided to do it just in a one part. So if you are enjoying the show, if you're listening on audio only, please head on over to either Apple or Spotify. Leave the show up to a five-star review. If you're on YouTube, just give the video a like, give us a comment, leave us a comment and let us know you're enjoying the show. It will help to get the show out to more people, share with a friend, with a family member, especially if they are you know, really diving into this mainstream narrative around these peptides and you really wanna blow their mind, share this episode. As always, as a listener of the show, you can save 10% on any of my programs using the code podcast and I have a plethora of free resources. If you're looking to transform your lifestyle, you can always get any of my free eBooks or free guides to get 
started and I will continue to share as much free information via this podcast, my YouTube channel as I possibly can. So thank you so much for listening to the show. And as I mentioned in the very beginning, the links to Dr. Tina's free course as well as her paid course are in the show notes for you as well. Speaking of that, let's go ahead and jump back into today's episode. Yeah, which we could talk about if you have time. (laughs) I could tell you why I think there's a narrative. I would love to. I mean, I have my own ideas about it. So I'd love to hear why why you think there's a narrative around this. Yeah. Well, do you have any questions about all the things? Are there any other big scaries I didn't cover? No. I mean, I think what's important for people to, to take from this, what I'm taking from it thus far, is number one, the dosing, which we've covered Number two, these side effects, again, are happening because of improper dosing, poor health in general, eating poor, nutrient-poor foods, eating still probably too much, and possibly people needing to take breaks, like you were mentioning, cycling on, cycling off. I think that's another thing. And that's why you have to work with someone. Like, you don't want to just DIY this. You want to know what you're doing. You want to work with someone who's experienced at microdosing and cycling people on cycling people off having a nutritional plan to go along with it and a lifestyle plan to go along with it because you I you know it's it's not the cure-all you you still have to do some work where all this is involved so let me know if I've summed that up okay (laughs) (laughs) yes beautifully that's the thing these are just but one tool there are other tools available and as part of a comprehensive program back when I got into practice HCG was the big thing and so I was doing a lot of HCG and of course I was like the rogue person there because instead of putting people on a 500 calorie diet I actually put them on the Atkins diet I put them on like Mm. a super high fat high protein diet we still had profound weight loss Um, HCG does some really cool stuff but Again, it was a comprehensive program because the people who just did the HCG and starved themselves, they came, came back, back and came back and came back. Yeah, mm-hmm. because if you just really quickly, if you put yourself into a calorically restricted state and you lose weight, you're you are almost permanently downregulated for life. And mm-hmm. you know this and you talk about leptin yeah. all the time. Your fat cells are what's signaling the le- or what's secreting the leptin that's signaling the brain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm as you lose the fat, you also lose the leptin. And if people are already leptin insensitive, or they've already got leptin resistance in the brain, which is what your program, your 21 Mm -hmm. day addresses, then they're screwed. And their Mm -hmm. muscles actually become less efficient at utilizing energy. So their whole entire body, their thyroid winds down, everything winds Mm -hmm. down. And so those people, even when they've looked at them six years out, five, six years out, those people are still still have low leptin. They still have low everything. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the the take home here, which I have been preaching since day one, which people get really upset with me about, which I said earlier, is catch them early. Don't gain the weight. Once you've gained Mm -hmm. the weight, you can lose it. Losing it is challenging, but that's not the hardest part. It's keeping it off. Keeping it off. Because you are now in a less metabolically uh, robust state than you were when you were actually heavier. And I mean, Mm -hmm. as far as caloric burning... um, energy usage, ATP, mm-hmm. et cetera. So anyway, yeah, it's it's a big thing. And so I've always been a big fan with patients. Whenever that middle-aged woman presented to my office and said, you know, I just had a severe bout of stress. I went through divorce, uh, whatever, had something go on with my kid and I gained 20 pounds. I'm like, we got to get that off now because you don't yeah. want that set point to go up and stay uh, up. And something I love about these GLP-1s is they heal the metabolic system over time, but they also, I, I really do believe, 
And I can't find conclusive data on this, but just from everything I'm reading, I really do believe that they help you reset that set point to that lower weight. And so the big question is, do I have to stay on these forever? Some people do. Some people have to stay on them forever. I plan on staying on them forever. The problem is if you keep cranking up the dose, like the standard of care suggests, and you get yourself up to, let's say, semaglutide, like the high dose is what, like 2.5 milligrams, 2.4 milligrams, you get yourself way up there. You got nowhere to go. And right. The compounding pharmacists I'm talking to are like, people are asking if they can go up to three or above because it's not working anymore because they burned out their receptors because you get receptor insensitivity just like you do to anything else. Mm -hmm. And that's not the solution. My approach is a comprehensive, and that's what my program that I'm launching really talks about is like, what is that comprehensive approach so that we can use these long term? Because I plan on being them on them for life. Like they have had such a profound impact on my brain on my autoimmune state, on my, I mean, yeah, I did lose the 15 pounds, the COVID-15 I gained, I lost it. Uh, that's nice. I'm just back to my weight that I was in 2019 that I've been at my whole life. So I feel pretty good. I'm strong. Uh, percentage wise, I'm still pulling the same weight that I was in percentage to my body weight. Like it's not the same weight mm -hmm. it was when I had more weight on me. Cause when you have more weight on you, you can actually lift more weight, but mm -hmm. the percentage wise, I'm still lifting the same percentage of weight. So my strength is not waning. I track myself with a BIA and I have not lost any muscle mass. In fact, I've gained, I've lost visceral fat. Uh, my cognition is improved. Like I said, my seasonal depression is all but absent and my, I don't hurt all over all the time anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm way more mobile. So I'm way more active and I'm hearing I've got hundreds of stories from people that have messaged me since I launched those podcasts talking about how it has just profoundly changed their life and how mm -hmm. they can't talk about it because their family shames them, their friends right. shame them, right. everybody's on their shit about it. And they're like, I wanted to do all the things you talked about. I just couldn't because of whatever reason, or I was doing all the things, you know, I quote unquote, all the things. And it just nothing was budging. And I, mm -hmm. I'm taking, you know, whatever they're taking in this class of peptides. And they're like, my whole life is different. I got my life back. And like people I have gotten multiple messages, Sarah, from people saying exactly and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I am writing to you right now with tears in my eyes. Thank you so much for telling the truth about these because this is my story. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just baffling to me that that kind of that's not being shared. None of that's being shared mm -hmm. out, right? Like nobody mm -hmm. wants to hear that part because they've got their yeah. biases. And it's like, yeah. I saw a doctor make a post the other day. He's an obesity doctor on Instagram, Dr. Nadolsky. Nadolsky, oh yeah. And he said, it was so good. It was something like, stop, you know, he's like, stop pretend being concerned about the side effects of Ozempic. That's why I saw that bias. one too. It's like, you don't actually care. You don't care about these people who are suffering with obesity, with metabolic disease, who are miserable and depressed. And that's like, that's the problem here that this, these are the people who are truly, truly suffering. And I'm all for how can we help people? You know, yeah. how can we look outside of the box and help people? And, you know, I just see this as like, maybe it's an avenue that other people will want to explore. And that another, like we said, a narrative that needs to be peeled back and questioned I question all narratives, even alternative narratives. I question the functional medicine model big time. I think a lot of it, I, I disagree with a lot of it now. And I used to think, oh, this is the holy grail and allopathic is BS. And now I'm like, yep. mm, kind of like, <laughs> I, we agree I on that. 
I question it all. I'm like, no, nobody needs to spend $25,000 on testing and supplements. Like yep. there's, <laughs> there's a balance here. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to segue into why you think there's such a narrative out for this, this movement, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, I didn't mention last thing. I do want to mention this. I posted the other day about, uh, it was from Nature, which is a really well-respected mm-hmm. publication, yeah. about how we now have good data in rats and in humans showing efficacy with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And people mm. lost their minds. And they just could not look past. I didn't mention anything about weight loss. And that's all the comments were like, you don't need this to lose weight. And then I posted <laughs> another post the next day just to test, you know, I like stirring the pot. And I shared eight different things that people have wrong about these. Again, totally independent of weight loss. And again, the comments, you don't need these to lose weight. And it's like people aren't even reading. And I'm thinking to myself, no, they're not. You they just get wish, triggered and but they better <laughs> wish they don't get Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or they better wish that someone Or have they a loved doesn't. one because yeah, it's, someone they it's love. horrific. It's absolutely it's horrific. horrific. You I have friends that have, you know, we're in that age, 45, 50, like our parents are starting to get old and sick and so many of my friends have parents with Alzheimer's. They're in homes. They get, they wander. They, yep. it's terrifying. Horrible. It's absolutely terrifying. And it's like the, the life for these parents, for these people is very bleak and it's very sad. And so why, <laughs> it's just everyone has an opinion on something until it happens to them. And then it's you like, You don't need hmm. these to lose weight. I'm like, are you kidding We're me? We're not like, talking about weight loss. <laughs> They better wish that they don't have a parent get else because do you know there's nothing that works for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? I mean, there's just mm. nothing. There's nothing that reverses it. And the rumor is, and I can't find the data, Sarah, but the rumor is that these this class of peptides was actually developed for neurodegenerative conditions. And so mm. that's really, I mean, that's where I got super excited and was freaking out to my husband because mm. I'm like, oh my God, what it does in the brain. There's nothing. I've never seen anything in all of my years of practice because chronic pain is a wind up brain phenomenon. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, chronic pain is a brain issue. Mm-hmm. And so when Agree. I was treating patients with chronic pain, I was very often trying to get that neuroinflammation down. Cause once those microglial, check this out, this is mind blowing. I'm gonna nerd out for a second. Microglial cells in your brain shift into a primed state when you've had trauma, um, actually taking birth control can do it, that estrogen surge, the estrogen surge of pregnancy can do it, or even sometimes uh, puberty. The getting in a car accident, you know, you've heard of people say, you know, when I was 18, mm-hmm. I had a, I was in a rollover, I was fine. And then I'm 45, I'm like stressed out of my mind and I got bumped at 25 miles per hour and I've just been in chronic pain since. That mm. is microglial activation. Opioids, interestingly, upregulate microglial act or activity, which is crazy because that's what we give, pe- you know, not I, but that's what the standard of care is. Like give them opioids for pain. It, it actually ramps up your pain signaling at the end of the day because it ramps up your microglial signaling. So I've been really passionate about microglial cell activity for a long time. And I don't talk about it because that's not really the audience I'm interested in attracting to me. But it's one of like my pet, you know, interests. And there's nothing that winds down microglial cell activation. You can take a ton of supplements. It might help. Mm. You can mm. you can do so much. And what it will do is, so the microglial cells are your immune system in your brain. And in our body, we have Th1, Th2. Yes, and yep. y- you can, when one side gets activated, the other side can dampen it. And so there's sort mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. checks and balance system in the body to mm-hmm. some degree. There's no checks yep. and balances in the brain. 
Once the microglial cells are on, they're on and they're primed, which means if you calm them down or quell them a little bit with all these supplements and all of this intervention, they are still primed and they're very quick to signal again. They're very quick to launch the inflammatory cascade in the brain. And so that's a problem. And mm -hmm. it's a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I think most Americans at this point probably have brains on fire and some oh, agree. Yeah, that's what we've been dealing with with my daughter with the autoimmune encephalitis. It's freaking terrible. It's absolutely so, terrible. GLP ones actually cause the glial cells that are activated to revert into their pre prime state. Hmm. Like I just learned this from Dr. William Seeds and I don't know where the data is on it. He was in Singapore working with some neurophysiologists about it, but it actually causes the microglial cells to chill out, which I don't know of anything that does that. And that's phenomenal to me. So anyway, all that. Okay. So quickly, why do I think there's such a smear campaign? Number one, I, I'm a dork. So I went through and looked up all the big pharmaceutical companies and what their sort of suite of drugs was, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them, like our friends at Pfizer, they, they tend to have the market cornered on cardiovascular drugs. Mm -hmm. Novo Nordisk is the diabetes well, they all started researching and launching these drugs for diabetes and then just found, you know, along the way, they worked great for weight loss. So that's their suite of drugs. Uh, Eli Lilly also ha has GLP-1. So Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly have GLP-1s. All the other pharmaceutical companies really don't have a GLP-1. And Pfizer just tried to launch one and it didn't pass approval from the FDA. And drug approval, mm -hmm. normally when we're not at warp speed uh, during right. a pandemic, drug approval takes 15, 20 years. It right. costs a ton of money and you still may make it to the end and not get approved. So mm -hmm. it's a really uh, risky endeavor. All the companies who don't have GLP-1s in their suite of products are realizing there's a huge problem here because they are working so well. They're not going anywhere. I don't care how much people hate on them. These are not going anywhere. And so the companies that do hold them are really holding tight to that patent, right? Until that patent expires at some point, and then it's going to be free for all. But the companies who don't have a patent on these drugs, I'm wondering how much they might be, uh, just, just theoretical, how much they might be involved in the smear campaign on these. Because mm. guess what happens when you take a GLP-1 and things start healing in your body? You may not need all the other pharmaceuticals you're on. And mm. type 2 diabetes is a very profitable center for most oh, big yeah. pharma. Big pharma mm -hmm. loves type 2 diabetes. And big food loves to drive type 2 diabetes. And big pharma loves to profit off of it. And so it's a multi-billion dollar industry, really. And the um, joint replacement companies have come out and said, we're concerned because the, you know, basically our generation, I'm 50, you're 45, you said, 44? Um, in June, yeah. Our generation is looking at a massive percentage of drug or uh, joint replacements. I've, I've done the research on this too. The amount of hip and knee replacements coming down the path are substantial. They already are. It's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry too. Mm. They're concerned because there is less need for these drugs. The bariatric surgery community is concerned because people aren't needing their stomachs cut out anymore. Big oh. food has gotten involved <laughs> and come out multiple. If you go onto Forbes and just put in Ozempic Forbes, just go down the rabbit hole. There is multiple articles out there as of late talking about how concerned some of these CEOs as a, of the snack food companies are because their snack sales are down. So we've got big food being impacted. Big medicine is being impacted. Big pharma is being impacted. And we wonder why we're seeing such a smear campaign on these. I wonder mm -hmm. if it isn't actually coming directly from these companies themselves, which I find so ironic because in the medical freedom fighting community, they're like railing against Ozempic 
and they yeah. think they're railing against big pharma and they think they're railing against big food. But I'm like, yo, I think you're doing those big organizations dirty A work for them. Yes. That's exactly what I think. And I'm like, yeah. We- <laughs> That's, That's part of the theory. reason I wanted to do this <laughs> podcast is because I I know a lot of people in my community are in that like, oh, it's bad. It's you don't need it to lose weight. Da, 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 da. And I'm still going to tell people lifestyle, nutrition. I'm still going to teach those things. I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling I'm not prescribing anything or telling anyone to even go buy anything. I'm still going to lead with these things. But I want to open people's eyes and give them options you know of like other things they can resource like and other things that they can research because that's what informed consent is that's what we all fight for in the you know medical freedom community is informed consent and you know we, we need to know of options that are out there especially if you know because I do get the, the the women who have like severe like I have a, a lady who's got like a severe brain injury and I've asked her can I have a food diary from you so we can go over your food I don't think she remembers what she's eaten to be quite honest with you because she has such a severe brain injury I think she maybe eats and doesn't remember and she's like why am I gaining all this weight and I'm like you know it's a host of metabolic issues that just continue to compound and I'm like there's some serious neurodegeneration going on here and I'm trying to teach you lifestyle. I'm trying to teach you diet, but I don't think you even remember like what you've done today. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's, yeah, and it's, and, it's beyond me sometimes that, that I want to help everyone. And I, I, it's sometimes I have to say, you need to look at some outside resources, you know? Well, brain injuries induce a busted metabolic state. It almost throws yes. you into insulin resistance it just by nature. And yes. that's how intimately related all of these systems are. You know, osteoarthritis is at its core diabetes of the joint. Osteoporosis yes. at its core is diabetes of the bone. And so in my head, my whole life, everything has come back to metabolic health. And that's all I've mm-hmm. ever preached on social media. Like I, you know, it, I way before it was cool, I was telling people to deadlift and eat steak, you know, like way before it was cool. Every, all the big health influencers were like, do yoga and be vegan. Um, <laughs> and so to me, something that can impact multiple systems and potentially not only heal these tissues, but get people off of their medications. I actually believe I'm railing against big pharma by telling mm-hmm. people that these might be a viable option for them. Of course, mm-hmm. work with somebody, always work with somebody yes. because yes. I, I'll, I'll be totally truthful. There are ways to get this stuff online without a doctor's prescription. And after my podcast came out, a whole bunch of people went ahead, health people too, health practitioners, yep. professionals went ahead and got themselves some you know, GLP ones. Mm -hmm. And my DMs blew up within a few weeks, my DMs blew up because I'm talking about microdosing for health. They're Mm -hmm. trying to do weight loss. When you're on these things and you plan on ramping up the dose, you really need a doctor who knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. involved. Mm -hmm. Or you need to understand dosing more comprehensively because these folks were getting into trouble and they're like, what do I do about this? And I'm like, yo, I never pretended (laughs) to be the expert on how to get you to lose copious amounts of weight with GLP ones. I'm talking to people like you, Sarah, people like me, people who are healthy, who are doing all the things who maybe have some metabolic dysfunction brewing because of our age or maybe a Mm -hmm. life of chronic stress. Stress. I mean, dude, I burned out. There's a quote that in a blade runner where it's like, you know, if you burn bright, you'll burn out faster, right? We understand that concept. Yeah. Yeah. And that's me. Like I just burned out. I like lit every wick. 
I lit I lit the candle at both ends and then like built new wicks and lit all those on fire too. <laughs> so by the time I got here, you know, a life of bulimia, anorexia mm-hmm. as a young person, chronic stress and, you know, chronic actually being put on pharmaceuticals my whole life. Like I just kind of yeah. fried all my systems out and it really caught up to me at 50 and I do all the things. And I've got doctors out there though who are doing it right and they're sending me messages saying, man, I've got this patient. She had SIRS, you know, from mold toxicity. Oh, yeah. And we got her on the tiniest dose and all of a sudden all of her insulin resistance is reversed and she's not got bloating and indigestion anymore and blah, blah, blah. Like so many cool stories are happening since these podcasts came out. So I, anyway, I, re- I say that because I really appreciate you being brave enough to take on this conversation. Um, for those who can't look past their biases, mm-hmm. I would ask them to listen to this again with an open mind because... I think, well, one, these peptides aren't going anywhere. They're being studied for alcohol abuse syndrome. They're being studied for smoking cessation. My husband doesn't gnaw his fingernails off anymore. My mom started cleaning up her house where she was kind of getting into a bit of a hoarding situation. People are messaging me telling me they're not shopping like crazy all the time online. So a lot of these addictive, it it kills the hedonic urge in your brain. So a lot Mm. of these sort of addictive repetitive OCD type behaviors. I I hate to categorize them as that, but I don't have, I don't, I don't want to call them addictions and I don't want to call them OCD, but you know, they're being driven by a similar pathway, um, Mm -hmm. completely shut down with the use of these GLP ones. So we're going to see those be pushed and probably covered by insurance for those reasons as well in Mm -hmm. the very near future. So we've just got a buffet of really amazing options. Like they give control back they put you back in the driver's seat of control Mm -hmm. whether it's your Mm -hmm. appetite your hedonic urges whatever it is they give people the ability to think they shut down that uh food noise that constant some people have i don't have it but i i understand in the past definitely yeah and i'm sure that's leptin too like that's why you're going to come on my program and talk about this because people need their leptin to reset with with Mm -hmm. their lifestyle habits but all that to say is sometimes folks need a leg up and um, I think these peptides are kind of miraculous like that. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think people need to, like I said, informed consent and it's something to, to look at research and no way in this, in this show are we saying, go order these off of the internet and find them because you no. can and dose yourself <laughs> and figure it out yourself. You really want a practitioner to guide you through this. Um, who can help you microdose, cycle off when you need to, and you know, help you with your lifestyle, help you with your diet, your nutrition, um, lifting weights, things like that are, are going to need to go along with this. Or you know, you can take these drugs and end up <laughs> having all the side effects because you've got a crappy diet. You're eating a bunch of seed oils. You know, there's you you can get the side effects if you're doing this incorrectly. So. You have um, a course that you're coming out with. It'll probably, I think it comes out the day after the podcast is released to the general public. So maybe we can just touch on that a little bit as we wrap. Sure. So it's called Ozempic Done Right University, and it's just my clinical experience over 30 years on what a comprehensive program looks like, whether you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to, you know, mend some autoimmune conditions and get them back into a more dormant state, whatever that may be. It's not medical advice. I'm not acting as anyone's doctor. I'm not prescribing anything in there. I will be discussing more in depth on how to find a practitioner that you can work with who maybe will understand this better. The concept of microdosing, unfortunately, since I started talking about it, like that's not a term that's used. And so nobody knows 
knows. And I keep getting messages from folks saying, I called all these compounding pharmacies and they don't know what I'm talking about. I called all these doctors. The doctors don't know. That's because I, I didn't make up the term. I just made up this concept. But through my research, I found a lot of practitioners who are dosing low and slow, right? And they do a comprehensive workup with a patient and we're all different. So you're not going to find mm -hmm. exactly what I offer in someone else's office, but I wanted to get my clinical reasoning down through a 12 week program. And I decided to open it up for practitioners and for the public concurrently, because like I said, a lot of practitioners don't really have a clue what it means to lead a metabolically optimized lifestyle. And so I wanted to keep it real high level. My followers as are yours, I'm sure are very intelligent and I didn't want to talk down to anybody. And I realized when mm -hmm. I was creating two separate programs, that it was so much overlap. We might as well just do one. It's going to be mm -hmm. awesome. I'm bringing in a whole team of experts to double down on many of the concepts I'll be introducing and, and share their take on it. You're going to be on, you're going to be talking about mm -hmm. leptin resistance and, leptin. and mm -hmm. what you need to do, you know, for free in your day-to-day -day lifestyle to get that under control. Um, I've got mold experts coming on toxicity. I've got compounding pharmacists coming on talking about why we don't need to be afraid of the compounded version. That's the other thing I didn't mention. Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk, because they hold the patents on the brand name, they have launched a smear campaign against compounding pharmacists to try to scare people away from the compounding version, compounded version. And it's also being launched to doctors. And it's every time I open up any of my medical stuff that there's like compounded you know, semaglutide is killing people. So the doctors are afraid to use it. And some doctors are even concerned about losing their license if they use it. Mm. So the smear campaign's going both ways. And mm. there's just a lot of misinformation. I want to set the record straight. I, if this works for people the way that I'm hearing it from hundreds of my followers and seeing in my patients, um, I want people to be able to use it for the long term, to cycle it appropriately, to dose it appropriately, and then use it again as just one, it's one tool in a comprehensive mm -hmm. toolbox. And so that's what the program's really about. This is the first iteration. So I think it'll be really fun because we can create it in real time and make sure I hit all the bases. I just want it to be a comprehensive resource for anyone using this peptide, interested in using this peptide, or any practitioners interested in using or implementing a comprehensive program in their practices. Or anyone who is, you are going to have patients or clients, if you're a health professional, you are going to have people on these. And so mm -hmm. understanding them, whether you're a strength and conditioning coach or health coach or a nutritional therapist, understanding them is so much better than being ignorant because I keep yeah. getting messages from folks saying, I asked my so and you know, whatever practitioner about it. And they said, oh, no, it's just dangerous. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. That is such ignorance and it's not true. And you're not doing your clients any favors if you're not educated on the true facts about it. Yeah. And that's another reason I wanted to learn more about it is because I would get people that say, I'm on this. Can I still do your program? And I'm like, if you're yes. not doing my program and you're on this, I'm worried. Like, yes. I, <laughs> like yes. my program needs to be required with these if for the nutrition and the lifestyle and the light piece, you need that if you're going to be on these. And, and so that's why I wanted to learn more about it because I was getting so many messages and I'm like, and again, I had that like glimmer of like, I think I'm being hoodwinked again <laughs> with all these people talking about how terrible it is. I'm like, something doesn't feel right. And so I appreciate all of the education that you've put out. The, the free podcast series is amazing. And now if people do want to take that step further, I'm going to have a link in the show notes. And if you're on YouTube, I'll put it in the pinned comment um, so they can go check out your program that's going to be coming out and I'll put all of your links on social media so people can follow you if they're not already. And, uh, 
Thank yeah, I think you. this has been really helpful and super, hopefully su- super informative and, and empowering as well for people to, to hear this information. Yeah, thank you for letting me have my say in it because I've been over here on my side trying to say it and you know it's only me talking to my echo chamber so I appreciate you exposing me to your audience as well I do have a free course too that's just at drtina.com forward slash ozempic done right and that's a free email course that talks a lot about these frequently asked questions that we've covered and then um, Mm -hmm. links through to my podcast all in one place if folks just want to you know kind of wet their palate on it uh, or share it with someone who's maybe a naysayer that's Mm -hmm. available too because I think this is like I said these aren't going anywhere and intentional ignorance and just hating on them is not the solution like we need to understand how they work and and really try to figure out how to bring them into a comprehensive program like you said you're your content is non-negotiable in my opinion. Right, like right. people have to do that stuff with, and I was so glad when you came, when I found your stuff, cause I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's finally talking about this piece so well mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is so oh, absolutely critical. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes so people can find them. And uh, thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. I know that was a long one, but I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Tina. As I mentioned a couple of times already, all of the links to follow her, get her free course, as well as the paid course are down in the show notes for you. So you can check those out. All of my free resources, my free eBooks, free guides are also in the show notes. And if you're looking to change your lifestyle, get more comprehensive health with your lifestyle, I can't recommend my 21 day leptin reset program or my quantum nutrition program enough. These things are going to be foundational and they are still what I stand behind and what I use with clients to help them have transformative change. So little disclaimer here at the end, none of this information is meant to be taken as medical advice. Please work one-on-one with a healthcare practitioner and don't use this podcast or any other podcast for that matter as a substitute for medical care. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's show and I will see you again next week.